0: Hey everybody and welcome. You are listening to Lox LaRue's Locker Room. Join me each episode with a different special guest. We'll be breaking the locks off toxic masculinity one locker at a time. This week I'm joined by the extraordinary Pocket Rocket who is a drag artist and resident House of Mannington performer. Today we talk about theatre, drag and masculinity. Please note that the conversations between me and my guests are purely based on our own thoughts and experiences. Now with all that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and just before we start, here is a lesson in Masculinity 101. Mary Frith was born in 1584 and grew up to be one of the most famous women of her age, eventually becoming the subject of the 17th century play The Roaring Girl. When she was older, she became a recognisable figure around town, drinking in taverns with men, smoking a long clay pipe and wearing men's clothing. Such behaviour was understood as a threat to gender hierarchies of the time, any woman apprehended cross-dressing was understood to be in rebellion against her betters, i.e. men. Hi everybody and welcome to Locks LaRue's Locker Room. I am joined here today, I'm so excited, by Pocket Rocket. Hi! Hello! How are you today?
1: I'm very good, thanks. The weather is turning and it's so lovely!
0: I know I've been able to sort of like um do my laundry like I've actually nearly got to the bottom of my basket because it's been sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So
1: good no longer having to use like the space heater to blast the laundry, otherwise it smells so mildewy. It's just like fresh air, what is this?
0: I know, right? So what have you been up to lately? Because we haven't spoke obviously for a while. I don't think I've s- last the last time I saw you was probably the last show I did actually. Live, and um, House of the Law, yeah, <laughs> two thousand and nineteen. Do
1: you know? What? Actually, you're totally right. I think it's the same for me. Actually, I was like, oh my god, that sounds mad, and I was like, that was that was the last time I stood on a stage myself. <laughs> god, that's crazy. That was that was almost a year and a half ago.
0: Oh god, yeah. It's just let's just get back soon, shall we? And I, <laughs> I can't wait to come and see you perform in Bristol as well.
1: <laughs> oh my god, honestly, I think we're all just so excited to start being able to do stuff again. I mean. Same as I think everyone else has been doing, obviously, like we've just been dabbling with different bits of digital stuff to try and keep afloat. I remember when you guys did your first um, digital show, that was so much fun. We all watched that together as a house. And then, you know, we did bits and pieces with other, other organisations and stuff as well. But it gets really tiring, I think, in a way that live performance doesn't.
0: Yeah, um, I know what you mean. It's yeah. just we're just all ready now, aren't we? But I love to watch. Thank um, you for watching ours. I loved watch. We all watched them. Um, yours so as well. Fun. Do you know um the the Bristol Pride one, which we can talk oh, about yeah, in a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. that was a
1: lot of fun to do, but it was really hard work. Like not only, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a lot, a lot, a lot.
0: I can imagine but it definitely paid off it was it was worth the watch um so we'll talk about that a bit later then I guess and we can talk about a bit about your looks and your digital stuff but I just wanted to start off by finding a bit about you for us and our listeners um so could you tell us a bit about what it was like growing up for you like um yeah growing up queer etc and stuff
1: Ooh, um, I think that's quite interesting because I, I largely grew up, like I spent my childhood growing up in a very like conservative small village um, in like a really Catholic country. So um, I, I think with like in regards to my queerness, it's something that like I've never been shy about or I've never kind of like, I never felt like I kind of came out, so to speak. Um, but that being said, um, I think as a kid, especially, I didn't really connect to that side of myself. I think it's just kind of like, it was just a really steady, slow thing that I just got to like, keep knowing about myself. And it wasn't until the last few years of my adult life that I've just kind of started really engaging with it, like actively and engaging with like queer communities around me in like a really active way. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think my childhood was like very boring as, as far as that's concerned. Um, because I just, yeah, I just didn't really think about it. I think it's, you know, when you see those memes now online, um, where it's just like growing up and then looking at things that like, were well, like growing up, like queer or bisexual is like loving the mummy as a kid and being in love with both Brandon Fraser and Rachel Weiss. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like the signs were all there. I just didn't quite know what they were pointing me
0: at. <laughs> yeah absolutely for me it was like Zac Efron <laughs> and stuff like that High School Musical. <laughs> I've been re-watching High School Musical lately I shame shamefully have to say.
1: <laughs> own it, own
0: it. I did start watching the new um on Disney Channel I know it's more for like younger kids and teenagers but I started watching the High School Musical <laughs> series like there's a new one so it like gives me this. nostalgic vibes. It is quite good actually it's a bit like a young like a tamer version of Glee so it is quite good
1: interesting I might have to give that a go at some point a
0: little yeah.
1: background watch
0: your guilty pleasure but um yeah. I know what you mean about it being exciting as well like at the time like when I was younger I thought it was really exciting like the the highlight was like us going to Tesco cafe or like following around boys that we liked and st- stuff like that and then now it's like well I guess it's probably more interesting then because of the pandemic and everything now
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's really wild. I think there's just, there's just, there was just so much. I think like when I first started like actively like dating people of like the same gender that I started, I think there was like almost no one in my life was surprised when I was like, oh, I'm dating other women and things like that. I think almost everyone had like, just went, okay. So there was, there was just, there was no conversation about it. It was just like, so what else is new? Like, yeah, today I did laundry and I had a date with a woman and that was nice. It was really ordinary except for um, like, there was just a, like two or three people in my family who didn't react poorly at all, but were so surprised that it was comical because everyone else more or less kind of just looked at them like, how how is this a surprise to you? <laughs> Including me, I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I didn't do anything different. Like everyone else thinks this is normal. I think this is normal. And they just went, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's just, I didn't see it coming. I was like, okay. <laughs>
0: Was it like a natural um, progression for you then? Like, Because for me, it was more natural. It wasn't like, you know, on the TV. Everyone's different. Like, I'm, I've am i come out now. Um, but obviously, for some people, it, it might have been a surprise. I think in terms of myself, I think some people were still kind of surprised or they were in denial because they were like, oh, have you got a girlfriend? And they were still clinging on to that um, tiny string of hope and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean yeah i think for me it was just just a really chill natural progression um just the older i got i think by the time i like hit my mid teens like i i had like one openly gay friend um in like our group of friends at school um, and like but we always had like those big parties, you know, like when you're a teenager and everyone is just like horny all the time. It's so, like all you do is play like spin the bottle. i like truth or dare. So we had all of that kind of stuff where like friends were kissing friends and it didn't matter what your gender or your sexuality was like that just happened all the time. Um, and I think even at that point, I was like, yes, this is absolutely fine. And like it just it just didn't cross my mind that that was something like worth like considering like my identity it just kind of slowly progressed like I don't know if that makes any sense like it was just really in a very privileged way like it was just really simple a really simple thing for me I think like loads of people have those different experiences and you know some people have a really difficult time coming to terms with their sexuality or gender identities and I think in that way I've just been very fortunate because I've got a lot of support around me which has probably always meant that for me I've never had to have like any serious concerns about that which has been great like it's really lovely and I feel incredibly privileged because I know like people in my immediate circles who don't have that, Um, so it yeah I'm, I'm very grateful for all of that
0: yeah I can I can relate to that as well um what you're saying about the parties and stuff and obviously I was quite privileged in the way that I, I did get bullied at school but I had a um, supportive network of friends and family and stuff but um in terms for me I, I don't know if it's the same for you it's like with the masculinity and femininity side which is kind of what I've been focusing on on this podcast that's kind of like what people associated that with like my sexuality which is annoying like because they thought I was feminine obviously they thought I was gay and that was sort of like, in quotation marks, a giveaway to them, um, which is annoying because it shouldn't really be associated with each other. Um, So I don't know what Ooh. that was like for you then, like with masculinity and femininity, or was it just, did you not really think about it at the time?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely something that had its part to play Um. I mean, I was always a tomboyish kid, Um, you know, I had a big brother and we grew up in a small village, which meant that there was only so many kids um, and so many people that you could actually hang out with, which meant, you know, hanging out with my brother and most of his guy friends or like trying to tag along with them. You know, you try to fit in. So you're going to try and do like the tomboy things. Um, But also then, like, I think, again, because it was a really conservative, really small town kind of place, Um, trying to like fit in with like the gender expectations and like gender presentation in that way. And obviously I would never have had those words for that as a kid. Like this is obviously 100% upon reflection. But yeah, there is a big part of that. And I think there's still um, like I've almost come full circle where I'm now much more comfortable about like presentation and how that has any kind of relationship to sexuality. But also I can just do it a bit more consciously um so like I can say oh yeah no, I do like being really femme and like I love wearing loads of makeup and high heels and like a body hugging dress that just makes me look really cute and feminine but then there are times where I really like doing things that make me feel a little bit more androgynous um and that's kind of like I think like a hat tip to that tomboyish kid part of myself where I used to wear like do rags and cargo trousers with like a um camouflage bandana and everything and it it was a terrible outfit don't get me wrong like I look back at it and I I don't believe my parents let me leave the house that way (laughs) but at the same time like it was nice that they did because it meant I just got to do whatever I wanted and express myself however I wanted um in in both cute feminine ways and you know something that was a bit more androgynous or masculine.
0: That's, that's great yeah and it sounds like you've always like tried to explore your own style and stuff and I guess I, I've i been the same, even if I look back at those um, decisions and I thought that's a bit questionable, <laughs> but yeah like, like now which we can talk about in a bit obviously with our performing and just our general um, um, being in a community where we can express ourselves it's good isn't it to just not fit in just one stereotype which you were kind of put in when you were younger like if you're mm. gay you've got to be feminine or it's mm. good to like express yourself in different ways um, masculine feminine or whatever way you want to um, mm. but I was just gonna say actually yeah I I hung around I had a lot of girl mates and stuff so obviously I was a bit of a drama queen a bit of a gossip <laughs> um still a bit now um so obviously people some people who were a bit blind and, to it and naive were a bit like um oh he's got loads of girlfriends and stuff like that um but other people were like oh he must be gay because he's um he's like friends with loads of girls so it's kind of like I can't <laughs> win there but um a lot of what I use as my coping mechanism which I was going to talk to you about actually was um like Performing arts and stuff like that because I know that mm. on the interview that I saw with you with House of Management, you talked a bit about your theatre background. So I thought mm. we could talk a bit about that because I bet you'd love to talk about that. I've obviously had a bit which I can mention in a bit, um, but did that kind of help you express yourself, or actually, I'll ask the second question after so? Did it help you express yourself the theatre background and tell us a bit about that?
1: Massively. I mean, despite the fact that I haven't really done much theatre, first of all, because of the pandemic, um. Um, largely, I would say, because of the pandemic, but it's it's always been a huge part. I mean, like I'm the child of two musicians. Like that's how I came to be. That's how my parents met through work. Um, and um, you know, my dad is a brass musician um, and conductor. My mum is a professional singer. And you know, wow. I I know I know you can imagine their disappointment when I was like, I also want to be a star and I want to be on a <laughs> stage
0: go for it
1: (laughs) that was was six year old me and my parents like oh no (laughs) but no all joking aside like they they are very supportive and they've you know um My dad's still back in Germany, so he's not really seen a lot of like my theatre stuff as I was growing up because I moved to the UK um, at the age of nine. So my mum always came to my shows, and you know, every single year, if there was any kind of show or concert, I was one of the first people to either audition or just sign up where you didn't have to audition. Hands down, without any worries, I think, even though there was always, I don't think I got bullied as much I think as some others at school Um, and I was always quite tough at like just keeping my own but that being said I think I was definitely never one of the kind of cool kids. I was always one of the like nerdy kids but doing all of these drama things was one thing I always felt extremely confident and competent about. I never got up on stage and was worried what someone was going to say about me because I had so much passion for it and I was so enthusiastic about it and I was pretty good at it most of the time not always don't get me wrong but I I was good enough at it that I had that confidence to just do that and let that become a massive part of who I was and who I could explore myself to be so um, even whilst I was doing theatre throughout like coming up through school and then college I ended up playing quite a lot of male characters um, that I just got cast in. that wasn't my decision but I think it's brilliant because I remember I had to do um Throppany Opera once which uh, where I got the lead with Mac the Knife who's just like this big gangster and I'm, I'm a tiny little person <laughs> and I was even smaller then like at the age of about 17 and I was the smallest person in our class and in the cast playing the biggest character and I was like oh my god I don't know how to do this I have to, I just this is so outside of my comfort zone. And essentially it was the first time I was actually in drag. Um, But I had this teacher who was incredible, who was also this tiny little woman, um, but who also, she was like, I've played lots of guy characters and she had this swagger that she just taught me how to embody. And it was brilliant. Like just watching her, even when she was wearing just like a t-shirt and Crocs, swagger through the room. I was like, you look like... Al Pacino needs to take like a note out of your book it's just it was so good to watch that and to learn that from her um and I think that definitely has like a foundation and grounding for like how I started to use theatre and explore different kinds of presentation sexuality gender things um just through theatre it was so much fun yeah. Wow
0: well, a star answer to my question <laughs> that one <laughs> covered all the points tick to <laughs> that's that's really interesting um yeah with me I I don't know about you but did it kind of help your confidence as well like it seems like you're pretty confident anyway but I was kind of this shy person who never really spoke at school so at school I was in the plays and I ended up Mm -hmm. playing like pretty androgynous characters and I played like this warrior character as well he was like the leader of the warriors and then I was like everyone was really shocked and I was like because I had to think I had to shout out like Zarkon (laughs) Zarkon warriors like really loud and because I was really quiet at school everyone was like and it's kind of like with now in my day-to-day life I'm quite shy but as a, like performing and stuff I'm quite like so or if you know me quite well but yeah it's kind of it's a good confidence build it did it did it kind of help with your confidence or do you think you your confidence was kind of al- already there when you starting out?
1: Um, I think I think yes to both um just because uh having like a lot of music music in my family um like my godmother um, was in like a girl group with my mum back in the 80s. um, And she's this incredibly loud American person. Um, So, and like, you know, we have like Thanksgiving because she's American, we do Thanksgiving every year, which is just a massive room full of people that is just an absolute fire hazard. But with so many people around and lots of these big personalities, like you also have to make yourself be heard. And so I was never really shy. And I always had that have, I think if anyone meets my family, they go, oh, yeah, that's why you're so loud. Everyone kind of goes, oh, pennies dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always very funny. And it's it's certainly like, it's so true. Um, but definitely, definitely it also helped me just with my confidence through lots of things, because I stand by um the kind of, I guess it's a little bit cliche, but that I think theatre even if it's never something that you want to do like as a career or something but loads of kids do drama because it's a way that you can just start to explore yourself in a pretty safe way that you get to play things that have nothing to do with you in like a really low risk environment because you're putting on the hat of a different character and you just get to you know play around with that so um yeah it's really incredible and i think you can just you can pick out lots of different things, you know, you can learn something from one character and go, oh, I really liked doing that, maybe I'll start doing that in real life, and like that can influence how you just move through the world, um, and I, yeah, I, I've always, that's always something that I'm going to keep doing for the rest of my life, 100%.
0: Yeah we definitely need like a whole episode or podcast series dedicated to your theatre background I think because we can find, <laughs> out, find out a bit more because <laughs> it is really um fabulous to hear um but uh yeah I can I can understand like with having a bit of a family background in it as well because um mm. my family have always either had like a musical or like creative background like my granddad he played the trumpet oh. and stuff and he was used to performing like a a band and stuff with my uncle and then my mom Aww. she's like uh, good at writing and performing and stuff as well so it's kind of nice isn't it when you have like family members so you can look up to and be like oh yeah they they're Definitely. theatrical and performing and creative as well um, for
1: sure for sure
0: yeah um so um I was just going to ask one more question related to that before we move on mm-hmm. then um with your experience with um, theatre I know you said that was a positive one in terms of like playing with um, gender and sexuality and stuff but do you think for some people or it could be that some theatre backgrounds can be quite gendered and like heteronormative because a bit of mine was not all of it but I found it was was yours or not necessarily because it sounds like you've had quite a positive experience
1: um I think I don't, I wouldn't say I've had like explicitly bad experiences, which again, I think is, is really good. Um, but definitely, I think, um, while I, I think that it's, it's always tricky when you're trying, um, trying to like, stick into different general roles. And I think with musical theatre, especially like if you're looking at some classical musical theatre, for example, that can be a bit harder. And I think now more than ever, um, you know, there's gender blind um, casting or, um, you know, um, gender swaps a lot of the time, which is very cool. But I remember there was one time I went to audition for Sweeney Todd, but there's basically no good women characters in it. There's, you know, there's about two women in it, if I remember rightly. And, you know, one is essentially like a lovestruck crone and the other one is a really sad, waify little girl. Like they're just poorly written, I think, like overall. And and neither of them suited me, my kind of performance or like my singing. So I was like, hi, I'm here to audition for the role of Toby, because I can definitely play a 12 year old boy and I'll nail it. But they just, they did, they like, they just said, don't worry, we're not casting Toby. Um, We're casting a boy as Toby. I was like, if you look at me with a hat on, I look like a 12 year old boy, I promise. But they just wouldn't let me audition. So I had to audition for Joanna instead, who's a soprano and blonde and has a song about being blonde and I'm just like this is the worst thing ever I just had to do this audition I was just there for two hours amongst all these like blonde sopranos and I was just my voice was cracking it was terrible it was it's very comic but I was really upset about it because afterwards I did go to see the show because I had some friends who were in it and they ended up casting like a grown adult to play Toby and I was like if you're if you're casting a 12 year old boy who hasn't had their voice break yet, surely there's no issue with casting or like at least letting a woman audition for the role if you think that they might be able to look the part. But instead they cast this guy who was like five foot 11 or five foot 10. I was like, you've broken the illusion. You've just already broken the illusion. So I was really bummed out about that, I think at the time. Um, I think it certainly is an example
0: yeah oh well, thank you for that well they don't know what they're missing out on do they and now if we lead more onto pocket rocket in general so could you talk a bit about your style or a bit of um like more about pocket rocket how they became to be um i've got a few points obviously because i did come prepared i did watch re-watch um the interview that you did with house of manager for bristol pride so i sort of um got a few of your quotes from there <laughs> about how you um but I'll just let you go with it for now.
1: <laughs> sure. I mean, feel free to throw these quotes at me. because my memory's <laughs> terrible. I'm just like, I said that. Oh yeah, sure. I said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun. It was, it was really hard work Um. because we all kind of have day jobs and stuff as well, but that was a lot of fun to do. And um, overall, I mean, as I said, we basically me and my housemate, we, We decided to do, um, back at uni when we weren't yet living together, decided to do a degree programme. And rather than doing a dissertation, you know, for theatre, you get to do a performative project if you want. Um, So that's what we did. And he basically went, I want to do mine on something to do with drag. And at this point, which was two years ago now, this time two years ago, I literally knew nothing about drag. Like, it was it I'd never seen a single episode of Drag Race I had barely seen drag queens other than at like the two pride parades I'd gone to um so it like I just suddenly went from knowing nothing to just completely like saturating myself in drag culture and again I think that was a really big learning curve as well about the relationship between drag culture and queer culture um so that's what we did and you know Coincidentally, Manly Mannington was doing a workshop at the university at that time. We both went, we looked at each other and just went, we're not even auditioning. We just want you in the show. And that's what happened. And then almost everyone who was in that show then followed Manly Mannington into the house because we just had a lot of fun being together as a community and just exploring all of these things because the programme was that our show was all about not just drag, but about what the relationship is between gender and drag. Um, And you know, we had to, we had to try and explore that in an academic way as well as it being a good show. Um, So I think again, that's something we've really taken forward. um, And that still influences the way that we all perform. Definitely for me, um, you know, I don't even consider myself like a cut and dry drag king in the same way, because I just really like that that in-between space, the gray, the gray rainbow space between gender. And expression
0: well actually that links in with the point that I was going to say actually well first of all that is really fascinating to hear more about that um of course and um I was just going to say you um identified as a drag queer on the interview yeah. I don't know if that still stands because that'll be nearly a year ago soon won't it oh, gosh,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: yeah but um is that kind of what you're saying just now then um you said you referred yourself as like a drag queer or has that kind of changed or is it changing?
1: I think, um, I mean, that's something that might well change so far. It definitely still is something that I would say, yes, that is part of the character and the identity. Um, I personally, I think I know a lot of people, uh, well, everyone does drag differently. Everyone performs differently. And, you know, some people like to use it as an escape. And it's something that is totally different to the, who they are and how they communicate and like move around the world. But I think similar to what I used to do with theatre, I always try to like ground it in myself um, and then have that to kind of then have that as the route. And then from there, I take it to other places. And then every time I kind of get lost, I just try and pull it back to that self first. Um, And I think, so essentially it just means that Pocket Rocket is always going to have lots of me in it. Um, And it's never going to be something that's totally unrelated to something that I can't relate to myself Um, because I think it's fun to yeah to explore yourself by doing things that you wouldn't normally do and then I let that uh, you know once I've done a performance I can go cool that was really fun and I enjoyed that on a really personal level that relates to who I am not pocket rocket but we we work together
0: yeah I thought it was really interesting as well how you um, which is kind of what you have just said now about um, how you you've used the dragon stuff getting to know yourself and exploring different sides of yourself and I kind of do that with like my boylesque and stuff mm. Um like I've, I've had like different styles like I've done like a, a pink style with like pink feathers and balloons and you know high yeah. heels and and then I've done an opposite style where I've done like a Wizard of Oz number which it was like I was the wizard and i had like dungarees and like it's more of a I guess you could say masculine look so yeah kind of like using different characters and different styles to express um explore different sides of myself as well so is that kind of what you're saying that you kind of do a bit as well with your dragon pocket rocket and stuff
1: yeah for sure I mean um I've done drag looks where I've had I've looked quite masculine um but I almost always still have a full face of makeup that isn't just trying to make myself look more masculine. Like, I like wearing lots of fun eyeshadow and eyeliner or big lipstick. Um, I like creating like artistic style beards. Um, you know, once I did like tiger stripes and in, in like where your beard would be rather than doing actual like hair um, imitation sort of thing, just because it's a bit of fun um, and I got to play with that. Um, But I just think also, you know, for me personally and for Pocket Rocket, it doesn't feel right to only say I'll be a drag king and only, uh, sorry, a drag king and only do um, things that are mask presenting because it just doesn't quite feel like me. Um, And I wanna find, I I just find it really fascinating like the things that come in between the binary. Um, And it's not something I know all that much about. So I think for me, it's also, um a space to explore that with other people you know who have been doing both uh binary style drag non-binary style drag and getting to work with those people watching what they're doing and um yeah letting that influence how how I perform as well um in that little in-between space
0: yeah that's 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 great um and I with myself I I wouldn't say um I wouldn't like to call myself a drag queen just for my own style personally mm. I prefer like identifying as like androgynous and stuff because um mm. like yourself I not like if you're a drag queen you can't do this but like with yeah. myself I like to sort of always have like facial hair and like makeup even if I'm wearing this more masculine look I like to yeah. mix up like you know what appears to be masculine and feminine and mm-hmm. I find it interesting how you kind of said on, um, on the interview as well um, that you like screwing up the presentation I'm reading this off here you like screwing up the presentation of what is considered to be masculine mm. so can you remember say, saying that and that kind of linking this in with what we're talking about I know you briefly already said
1: yeah no I, I think I do remember saying that um and it is it is what's important to me you know if you look at Manly Mannington um it's, it's so different to what they normally do in like their real life and you know fireball is so um, so um, femme burlesque so those are two like really big like contrasting differences um, in terms of character and performance for one person which is incredible like I think there's nothing more valid about doing something that is binary or something that isn't um, they're just kind of different styles of performing and I think they're just equally as interesting and just depending on who you are and who you want to be in those characters you can bring different things to the table and like I said you know this it doesn't mean that I won't be doing something that is high mask or high femme but I think my starting ground will always be in the middle and then I'll find a way to go in one one direction or another depending on what the act is and what I'm trying to do at that moment because I think I just like I like the freedom of not having to choose (laughs) I'm really that way
0: yeah yeah me too so before we end I just wanted to talk a bit about um your superhero performance um for Bristol Pride because I really loved that so could you just tell us a bit about that whichever part you want um either about the costume or the choreography that you had to did or just anything some interesting stuff about that
1: Oh um, I mean I think it was it was a lot of work because naturally Manley is a fantastic choreographer um, but because we all have day jobs trying to find the time to rehearse together was quite difficult um, especially because it was still in a pandemic where we only had so many resources that we could access etc. Um, so that was quite stressful but Overall, like, it was a lot of fun to finally start performing again together, doing the filming together. Um, our fantastic little ever, uh, Revolutionary made all of our costumes from scratch. Like, she's just incredible, just chef's kiss. Um, and it was a lot of fun wearing those costumes as well. I think we all just, once we got into costume, we all just felt ourselves and had so much fun. Um, even when we had to wake up at three o'clock in the morning so that we could do a 6 a.m. shoot um yeah it was it was a lot a lot of fun doing that Um,
0: dedication
1: (laughs) yeah it really really was like by the time we finished I think it wasn't even midday so the first thing we did we all just sat together like slumped in armchairs really tired and just ordered McDonald's breakfast just so that we could cope with the rest of the day but it was really nice. I think one of my favourite things about that was actually that we were just there with one of these like really small tinny speakers because obviously we'll we'll put the music over the top, um, top during post. Um, but there's a lot of dog walkers that came where we were filming um, in the mornings like at that time which is why we got up so early to try and avoid the big brunt of it. But you know every once in a while people would walk past and we're all dressed in these ridiculously flamboyant superhero costumes. And you could just tell it was making people's days, seeing us like dance around, flounce around, looking ridiculous, being silly, being sexy. Um, and So many people walked past like either like cheered on or like danced along with us and all of these fun little things. It was really good fun um, just to see how that had an impact on like people who weren't involved in any way who just passing by um that was nice I think it was like a good little motivator to keep us going every time we flagged a little bit because we were so tired
0: yeah like um I remember, because obviously I did a bit of filming for Cybergram, so I can relate to the, the tiredness and stuff like that. Because you, sometimes you try and schedule it, so you try and do it all in a regular pattern, don't you? So it doesn't yeah. drag out. You try and do it all in like a day or a few days or something. But exactly. I remember the first um, one of the first videos I did for one of our shows, um, I was Dor- doing Dorothy running over the hill. And like you said, Pete, some people would see. It was on Boxing Day, actually. <laughs> um, oh, my God, that's so amazing. I used, I used to in the past I used to go like um to my straight um distant family but now I've <laughs> more flamboyant um unboxing Boxing Day um yeah I was running over the hill but these people were generally interested and they were nice but there was kind of this fear that like you know people would be like um shouting homophobic stuff at me like yeah. from a toxic masculinity point of view or whoever shouts it but no one really did actually everyone was just interested mm-hmm. so it's nice isn't it sometimes when people are actually interested in what you're doing rather than shouting like horrible stuff
1: For sure for sure because we've had this conversation before as well and you know there's there's a few of us you know who have had experiences where you do get you know like slurs thrown at you or you know some people don't feel safe walking down the street like to and from a gig for example in drag you know they have to arrive at the venue hours early if possible to get ready or you know spend money on a taxi um and all those kinds of things and it's it's always easier in a group like we were in a big group people could tell there was a thing going on but I think we all still had those concerns that you know what if someone does like just shout something um and they say I think it's very much still a real concern for many many people in a, in a very real way
0: it's usually like men isn't it not to stereotype or <laughs> like straight
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean I don't think I've ever like had anything yelled at me by you know queer women <laughs> uh, it's rarely straight women so yeah it's just it's normally it normally is straight men which is a shame but you're absolutely right I think there is definitely less of that um, and it is nice to see that most of the time actually you know people do just end up being interested or find it fun um, to to kind of be able to see that or participate on the sidelines um, and that was a really nice thing to see like no one shouted anything at us um, if they did it was to say you guys look amazing or wow what are you doing um, yeah, that's you know, every nice, once in a while it? someone stopped and that was really really nice um you know especially when you do have moments of concern so that was really refreshing and it really like boosted our motivation to keep going
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And just as we're about to finish now, I was going to ask if you've got any advice and stuff like that. And it could kind of link in with what we're saying.
1: Um, I mean, I would say in it's kind of like a, a slight two parter. I would say surround yourself with a community that's got your back, um, um, which I think is it's every queer person says it to you, but there's a reason why. And you know, over the last couple of years, part of that community for me has been the house the house of Mannington even though we haven't been able to do much, you know, we're still planning to do things for this summer. We've got a couple of things lined up that hopefully all things permitting will go through and having each other and doing this performance and exploring these fun things together through performance and through drag um, as a community, makes a massive difference. You know, we really, really have each other's backs, even though we kind of just came together as this really random group. Um, And, you know, as that follow on, I would also say like have find find some courage to explore some things about you by doing fun and silly things it doesn't have to be theater per se it doesn't have to be like you don't have to go and do dance classes all the time but like just having a chance to perform something like just do some role-playing games they're really fun and they they give you a lot of that same kind of outlet that performing on a stage even if a stage like strikes fear into your heart gives you Um, and just having that opportunity to play play with the people that are your community and having those opportunities to explore yourself through different elements of performance that is my big thing that has brought me to where I am which is a pretty good place.
0: I would like to thank Pocket Rocket for coming on to this podcast. If you want to catch more of Pocket Rocket, then check out their Instagram handle in the episode description. I would also like to thank all of you lovely listeners for tuning into this podcast, especially Zara, who wrote me a fabulous review. She said, Such a great podcast covers such an important and broad range of topics with a brilliant host and beautifully diverse range of guests. Each episode is engaging and inspiring. Can't wait for more. If you do feel like leaving a review, please do so. Thank you for listening to Lox Locker Room. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Lox LaRue. Bye. But that's like with, not to spoil it, but I guess I will a bit, with High School Musical, Like um, mm-hmm. that kind of um, a boy auditions for Sharpay. And I'm like, yes, Ooh. this is
1: like,
0: the, the younger me inside was like, I've always wanted to be Sharpay. <laughs> So it's kind of like the drama teacher's like, I love this spin on it and stuff like that. So um, definitely worth watching for for that reason. Ooh,
1: I love that. Yeah, okay, you've sold me on it
0: now. Yeah, so don't judge me if it's horrible, but... um...